0: You're listening to the Legendarium Blue Team. Welcome. You have chosen wisely. Please go to patreon.com legendarium to support the show.
1: I felt like Yoda was talking to Anakin at this moment in time.
0: <laughs> from
1: things that there are easy to anger. Me. Anger leads to hate hate was through, through suffering. suffering oh yeah it was so wonderful i'm
2: so embarrassed right now <laughs> and craig is shaking his head
0: <laughs> welcome
1: to the legendarium this is todd wente your host this time around this is The Blue Team that's going to be bringing you another episode, and today we are going to be reviewing Full Moon, the second book in The Dresden Files by Jim Butcher. This is episode 201. For those of you who are uh, who are surprised to hear The Blue Team and then the 200th episode, and then The Blue Team, so are we. Um, we're, su- we're surprised and honored that we get the opportunity to continue this series and have some more fun. Um, as always, a couple of housekeeping issues. Uh, you can support The Legendarian Podcast by going to the Legendarian Podcast at patreon.com you can also find us on uh, Stitcher on uh, Podbean Uh, I've never said those before but I figured I probably ought to put them in there someplace along the line you know where to find us on Reddit if you've been following us for any period of time uh, please join in the conversation in those locations as well Our panelists on the blue team, these are our standard panelists. Yes, we haven't brought anybody else in, mostly because nobody will agree to join us. I'm kidding. We haven't invited anybody else yet, but...
2: No one is invited.
1: (laughs) Well, we'll
0: we'll see about that. I'm still surprised we're invited.
1: Seated next to me. You know what? He is scary enough. He probably crawled out of the never-never. It's Ken Johnson. Let's just say it's appropriate that I am doing a book about wolves. And Megan's skin is so translucent, she probably could be mistaken for a full moon. Megan Smythe is joining us as well.
2: I'm so white, you guys. I never go outside.
1: I wasn't exactly going there, but I certainly wasn't going to talk about you being... Sparkly and therefore closer to because that pulls us into a different Boo. book series. We're yes. not going to do that. Yeah, I don't. In fact, I don't think we should ever acknowledge the fact that there's another series that involves
0: sparkly vampires. Okay, I, no, I no, enjoyed nothing. that
2: series. I'm not <laughs> pretending they're good, but I enjoyed them.
0: And Bella's dad played Harry Dresden. Apparently,
2: yes.
1: Well, there is that connection. Maybe, we learned this. Maybe and one Anna of these Kendrick days. Maybe one of these days we should do was a, not, a. She was not Harry's dad, but no. yeah. a, a six six degrees of. What's his name? Kevin Bacon? No, no not Paul, Kevin. Paul uh, Blackthorne. Paul Blackthorne. Six yeah. Degrees of Paul Blackthorne. We had to play that game sometime. I'm going
2: to be so good at that game.
1: <laughs> wow, you smiled really kind of mischievously I'm with good that. At,
2: I'm good at those games.
1: <laughs> he was trivia,
2: not so much for anybody who Tri- listened to the 200th episode. <laughs>
1: okay, so if you listen to the 200th episode and you're saying to yourself, "Why well, was Todd even on that episode?" Let me, let me, let me defend myself just a little bit. Okay. Um, defend myself a lot okay um (laughs) the the last week was was extremely taxing mentally and by the time i arrived at the podcast i realized i needed to get my brain shifted into a trivia gear rather than a host gear and that's a really hard gear to shift from because i found for myself and and you know, maybe maybe Craig will be able to agree with this at some point in time, but I find when I'm, when I'm thinking about hosting the episode, my brain goes in one direction. When I'm thinking about just playing and being a little bit mischievous and causing some chaos on the podcast, yeah. it's totally different. So yeah. for those of you wondering why I was absolutely silent, it's because, well...
2: He was in quasi-grown-up mode.
1: I was. I was. That and the fact that, quite frankly, even after having listened to episodes after episodes and being on them and reading the books...
0: I couldn't remember half the stuff we'd read. Well We read it,
2: a lot of stuff.
0: We have we have read a lot of stuff. A lot it of didn't, good things. It didn't help for both of you that I just trivia so darn good. Okay, that's not true. <laughs> when, when there's, I trivia just fine. When there's nothing on the line, I trivia very well. But the, then you give then you then you put prizes in front of it or points or whatever, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't want to be wrong, so I don't say anything. Anyway, this this isn't a 200th episode recap. Let's talk about something else.
1: No, but I'll tell you what, the, the look on your face when you said, I trivia so good. And Megan and I just stared at you. That was priceless. We should have had video going that, for that. That is true. All right. Good well, time. let's let's go ahead. Before we dig into Full Moon, um, which, by the way, I, I I am so excited about this book. Um, if 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 I were to if I were to compare the two, I mean, I really enjoyed uh, I really involved. Uh, what was it? Storm Storm Um, I wanted to say Stormbreaker and I knew that wasn't right. (laughs) Um, I really enjoyed Stormfront, but I'll tell you what, Full Moon had my absolute attention. Mm -hmm. I I almost called in sick one day because I just needed to finish listening to the book. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal job. Um, but before we start digging into that, Megan, why don't you talk to us a little bit about Jim Butcher and some of his background?
2: All right. I just, I have a few things. Um, Jim Butcher, apparently when he started writing, he, uh, he wrote, He was trying a lot of different things and nothing was really clicking for him. He took a couple of classes and the Stormfront was a book. He actually ended up writing that during a class and started shopping around and sending it to publishers and they'd say no thanks and send it to some more and they'd say no thanks. So after a while, he decided to start going to um, conventions and meeting these people in person and saying, hey, I am... Jim Butcher, you may or may not have read this book that I sent out to you not too long ago. And apparently one of those people decided to give him a shot. Or that's how he got, what, is that how he got his manager? I think yes, that's how he got his manager who ended up getting it published. And it, it didn't hurt that he, like during this whole process, he continued writing. And so at that point, when he finally started, um, when he finally got a publisher, he had three books available. And so he, he's like, the lesson is you keep working and you keep trying and just keep pumping out quality, well, you know.
1: Just, just, keep, com- writing, just, just keep, keep
0: writing, just
2: keep writing. Because at that point, like, they were able to do a deal not just for one book, but for three, and then he was able to keep going. Uh, he currently has 15 Dresden Files novels. The, last, the first was published in 2000, yes. And the last was published in 2014. He's planning on writing... Says he wants to write twenty-one or twenty-three something total.
1: It sounds like he's setting his eyes on Piers Anthony or Terry right. Pratchett kind of a
2: little bit. Yeah. Um, but he he's still sort of in the midst of writing the sixty like there's an update on Goodreads from November of last year saying, I'm starting to write it again, y'all. Uh but he does have some other series going on. He has some graphic draft graphic novel Dresden Files. Um, and then they're the Codex LR, right? No, it looks like there are some new things.
1: Oh, okay. there are so yeah, they're original, original stories. Okay. Yeah,
2: his Welcome to the Jungle is the first graphic novel, and it's uh, an original story set before the events of Stormfront.
1: Oh. Which is
2: kind of cool.
1: Yeah, especially based on all the stuff that he references, even in Stormfront, as things that got him to where he's at. That'd be kind of a, that might be a read that we I, have to pick up.
2: I have a, I have a bunch of... Post-its that I just keep writing so I can move them from book to book. Where I'm like, and these are ongoing story points that I want to keep track of, yeah. Like Morgan and the White Council, and Justin and
1: and Elaine and Elaine, yeah.
2: Um, all of those things, but yeah, the Codex Alara Alara is complete at this point. There are six books, and then he's right. Uh, working on the Cinder the Spires. The
1: Cinder Spires. I'm excited to read both of those because yeah. I, I think we probably Pumper. ought to we we probably ought to look at seeing how we fit those in maybe next year or something.
0: Those should like be on the to do list. If not from not by us, if not by us, uh, by Red Team at least, you know, because I think I think the Codex Alara is more science fiction-y sort of, but I think the Cinder Spires. Are, are, I think uh, one, of one, of, is, one of the two. One of the two is, two more is fantasy, high fantasy based, and one is is more yeah. sciencey. Yep, fictiony. Yeah. But that's, anyway,
2: that's about all I have.
0: Okay, um, Nice. A couple
1: of things that I picked up along the way. Um, I, I had the opportunity at Comic-Con a couple of years ago. I, I'm sorry, at the Salt Lake Comic-Con because we have comic to make Comic convention. Sure th- Salt yes. Lake Fan
0: X comic well, convention. at
1: the time it was the Salt Lake Comic-Con, yeah. but then it became embroiled and embattled and embittered. Um, and how many other M's can I throw in front of that? Anyway, we'll deal with that later. Um, I got a chance to attend a panel that he was doing. Ooh. Um, yeah, it was really fun. It was, and, and the memories of that are both really, really cool and really, really depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that he said was, um, along the lines of, of writing what, you know, he said, one of the, one of the things that people hear all the time is write what, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course the, the different authors on the panel talked about what that meant to them. You know, is, is that, uh, is that something that you talk about the people that, you know, or the kinds of relationships that you have and all those kinds of things, and Jim Butcher said something to the lines of, "You know, all writing is going to be autobiographical to some point. You are writing about what you know because mm-hmm. that's really all you can do." Mm-hmm. He said, "But when it comes to writing about what you know, make sure you pick places. If you're going to pay, do places <laughs> that are in the physical world, make sure you pick places that you really do know." Uh, apparently, when he picked Chicago originally, and I think one of our one of our editors yes. brought yes. this up as well. Mm. When he picked Chicago originally, he had no clue what Chicago was like. He'd never been well, there. I
2: think his editor told him to pick Chicago, <laughs> uh,
1: as, as somebody or did. Something like uh, that. Or a writing teacher, somebody. Um, and and so he he kind of threw that out. But back in the day, they didn't. You didn't have MapQuest. You didn't have internet quite as, the quite yeah. as robust. And so he he was trying to figure stuff out, and it didn't work so well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and so
0: apparently he. Well,
2: if I ever go to Chicago, I'll be able to take notes. But I, you know. I've never been there so I just enjoy the books as they are.
0: It's a neat city.
2: Is it? I don't it, know
0: I want to
1: live there but I love going to Chicago. I love visiting Chicago. Yeah, I'm I'm with Ken on that one. I uh I've I've been there several times and so for me I have a little bit of context in some of the things that he talks about where he's talking about them. Um but but some of the things that he mentions, I'm kind of like, I'm not sure I remember that. I'm gonna have to go back and look and see if I can uh, have an excuse for another Chicago trip.
2: Well, this was in the year 2000. Things could have changed.
1: Well, yeah, every city's under renovation, right? Orange barrels are everywhere. Oh, especially we know that. But anyway, so with oh, that okay. said, Ken, why don't you give us our uh, why don't you give us our summary, our recap for full yeah, moon? Yeah, what happened huh? in this
0: book? This this should be fun because you know. <laughs> Anyway, because you, you, you were busily writing it as we were getting ready right. for the podcast. <laughs> take, take a fun Quality. urban fantasy universe, add in wizards and magical creatures, turn it into a series, and you just know that you'll have to end up dealing with werewolves sooner or later. <laughs> Turns out, for readers of the Dresden Files, it's sooner. Yeah, I love Yay. werewolves. That was nice. <laughs> After a henchman of mobster Johnny Marconi is found savaged and surrounded by wolfish paw prints on the night of the October full moon, get it, full moon, Chicago beauty. PD- ah. <laughs> Lieutenant Karen Murphy brings in her friendly neighborhood gentleman private eye wizard to make sense of it all. This is pretty much where I forgot to finish the recap, so. So now I'm. I'm so now just, we're gonna get yeah. your now I'm Is that what we're pretty much just okay. it. Okay, so. all right. Let's wow. see what we get. Okay. Turns out there are actually four different types of furry theriomorphs and Harry, and we get to enjoy all of them in this book. Mayhem ensues. A biker gang turns into a gang turns into wolfmen, and they crime it up. FBI agents use wolf turning belts to combat crime. There's a wolf who turns into a woman who's training a pack of college kids to turn into wolves. Jacob from Twilight wanders through, probably. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the cops arrest the big baddie who's actually an animal do-gooder who wants to start a wildlife preserve, and he also turns into an indestructible killing machine each full moon. He That's kills a cursed. bunch of people. He busts up a police station. Harry magics him dead, and Murphy comes to the realization that always trying to arrest Harry is probably counterproductive to her uh, aims as a special investigations cop. Yes. So in the end, everything turns out all right. We've got a couple of new characters that are going to be fun to, to see later as we continue to accrue characters and accrue stories and move through this world of Chicago and the Wizarding Underground world. So I don't really have a lot of questions. Todd, here's a question for you. How much did you enjoy Chauncey? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh,
1: my goodness. The, yes. the, the scene where Chauncey shows up and he says he, he slams his claws against the, against the wall, the magical barrier wall... And then pulls out a pair of glasses from underneath <laughs> his chin. Nice. thing, I was like, "Okay, I, that's funny." I just
0: have to, just have to. Uh, what is it? Feed the, feed the stereotype, basically. Yeah. Please. Yeah. So anyway, that that's my uh, that's my crummy recap. And if you don't like it, you can make like a werewolf and bite me. Oh, nicely done, nicely done. I throw
1: out insults to you. You throw out insults to our readers. Sure. Thank you so much. I'd
2: say them's fighting words, but that just makes me Captain Obvious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, Okay. Well, I let's, am the punching <laughs> resident. Anyway, I got nothing. All right. Let's let, move. let let's do initial initial reactions, initial feelings. Now, both of you have already read this book. This was your second time through on this one. Yes.
0: Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Megan, let's start with you. Initial reactions. What do you th- you you're just grinning at me like a Cheshire cat. Go ahead.
2: I liked this one. I I don't know, pun intended, but I kind of devoured this one. <laughs> I didn't actually devour it, but uh, it it was like you, Todd, where I just didn't really want to do anything else. I just wanted to sit and read it, and I just I liked that it all kind of exploded in on itself. I've yeah. forgot. That, I forgot. Mean, that's imploding. Again,
0: I, imploding in on. It.
2: Okay, thank you. Yeah. I learned something today. <laughs>
1: uh, um, <laughs> wow, talk about derailing a train of thought. <laughs> I
0: know. Yep. I threw water all it's over gone. that fire. Continue, sorry.
2: Nope, I got you, nothing. You She's got go. nothing? You so. like the
0: book, you devoured it.
2: I like the book a lot. Um, I liked that the good guys ended up being the bad guys and the bad guys were the good guys.
0: Right. And that yeah.
2: it was just, I don't know, it was a lot of fun. It was some it was some really good writing.
0: I enjoyed the fact that, the I, I and I, I guess this is kind of, when you get to a 15 book series or you're starting, I like that the universe is kind of expanding on itself. It's like, yeah. in the first book we saw vampires. Yeah. briefly, but we saw vampires. And this one we get werewolves. And now we're kind of fleshing out this mystical um I don't want to say universe, but this, this dimension that we can't see, this this fantasy realm that is out there. And that reminds me that there was the, the point that Billy made. And I, I don't know if we really want to where we're going quite yet with the discussion, but Billy makes one point when when the alphas are are kind of jumping onto harry's team trying to track down the loop guru that's what it's called mm-hmm. a loop guru that, that uh that uh the McFen turns into that is just a mindless killing machine that you can't stop except with inherited silver which comes becomes important later but anyway um his name's billy yep. his name's yeah, billy. billy i was gonna call him bobby anyway billy <laughs> points out to harry that this crazy world of werewolves and the never, never and all this makes sense to him because there are all these things that happen that don't make sense anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And so if there are these things that happen that you really can't explain, then it makes sense that there are mystical
2: places that, yeah,
0: why can't it be magic? Exactly. And I, I loved that in the book because it makes you go, yeah, why not? Sure. It was kind of a nice button on the, on the book.
1: Uh, itself, but it was also a really good tease. Um, as I as I recalling Jim Butcher uh, at the conclusion of that, because he was talking about that during their their little camping experience uh, mm-hmm. that he had with that he had with the alphas, where he was yeah. like, "They keep looking at uh, me like they want they want to follow me on some quest." Yeah, says I'm just trying to keep my <laughs> eyes open. Um, but he but he he then Jim Butcher does a wonderful job of walking through and saying, "But here's the deal." Um, crime rates are increasing by 300%. I don't think it's possible for criminals to cause 300% more damage to each other if they were trying real hard. Mm -hmm. Um, unexplained kinds of happenings are, are going on around Chicago all the time and people are just brushing them under the rug or looking the other way. And he's doing a really, he did a really wonderful job of weaving into this second book, a, a, a jumping off point for making it interesting enough for, for there to be multiple books that we're going to follow. Yeah. I, um,
2: I I think my favorite thing about this book is that they talk about the different type of werewolves and, and they don't just limit it to one kind. Like this is what a werewolf is. They have a whole bunch of different kinds and then they all show up, of course. But I, right. I just like it when that kind of thing is acknowledged where it's like there are two different kinds of time travel. You have the back to the future time travel where it's an alternate universe and if you go back in time and you change things, then everything's different. Yeah. Or you have like spoiler alert the lost kind of um, time travel where you go back into time or you go back into the past and whatever you do is what was supposed to happen anyway so it doesn't actually change anything yeah um, right so I kind of like that with the werewolves it's like there are so many different ki- kinds of things that could be werewolves let's just all put that all in the same book and then have some fun with it
1: you know it was um, it, if it feels like um, and and I recognize that there are lots of directions that you can go lots of historical pieces um that can be that can be used to trace a lot of these uh mystical creatures Mm -hmm. and the 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 thing that kept coming back over and over again is he said it's not like what you think in the movies it's not like what you see in tv yeah um and he made it he made it very clear that he's going to do his own thing with this he's not going to be locked in and he's going to mm-hmm. intentionally tell you that all of that is made up. Mm-hmm. What's really happening is this. Yeah. And I, I I enjoy that as a storytelling motif because it, yeah. it it not only it not only keeps those those stories fresh, but it also gives him a way to say, yeah, you think you know what you're talking about? No, you don't know anything you're talking about. Let me tell you how it really works. Or,
2: I want to do my own thing. And this is the rules that I'm going to go by.
1: Yes. Now, let's <laughs> let's talk about that a little bit. He's been establishing very nicely some very clear rules on magic. Do, were you guys picking up on those? What do you think about the rules of magic that he's putting forth? Like for instance, the idea with potions, that potions have to have a specific number of components and that of those number of components, one of them has to be a liquid so that it combined everything, one mm-hmm. of them has to represent fire, one of them has to represent air yeah. one of the you know and then they what? have to there have to be something to represent the five senses and then there has to be one to and when their powers combined, there you go to yeah.
0: there you go craig, craig, uh,
1: craig came up from craig his video just game just it. long enough to say that
2: he's a hero
1: he he doesn't let us alone in the studio completely i don't think he trusts us 100
0: percent yet so anyway what do you think about the rules of magic that he's coming up i i love the rules of potion making that you you know and it's the it's the five senses by the way which i love i love elemental magic by the way that is a completely different story for another day but um but it's it's the idea that the magic is rooted in something tangible for the person for for the spellcaster it makes complete sense in this in this world that doesn't make sense really because oh there's not no such thing as spells there's no such thing as magic there's no such okay fine suspend that reality for a second and it's still plausible that if there were magic if there were spell casting or or potions making that there would have to be i'm going to use a a sanderson term there would have to be some investiture by by the spellcaster. And so in this case, you have to use something that is important to each of the spellcaster's five senses. Yes. You need mm-hmm. a liquid medium. You need um something for mind and you need something for spirit. Yes. The, the spirit of the spellcaster and the mind of the spellcaster. And I think the way he describes it or the way he lays it out it is so simple. When you think out of it, you sit back and think about it and go, wow, why didn't I think about that? It just makes so much sense that these are the Elements that would have to go into a potion. It it almost makes enough sense that makes me go, I wonder if I can make a potion. I know, right? (laughs) I'm not sure how I could capture sunlight in a napkin, but you know. Yeah, well, there's that. For example, but.
2: Well, and they talk about science versus magic and all of this stuff, and science definitely has rules that the world goes by. We have laws of gravity and those sorts of things. And so, of course, there would be a similar sort of, I don't know if I want to say structure. But magic would have kind of the same idea where very specific things have to happen in order for other things to have to happen. Like Harry the, reaches a point where he he uses too much magic and mm-hmm. isn't able to tap into it anymore. Like that's that's something physically possible in this world.
1: Though. So I want to come back to the I want to come back to the idea of the science versus magic because mm-hmm. that's a theme that I think he has running through that. But mm-hmm. I yeah I, but I but I I want to make sure we come back to that. But I I want to talk some more about this idea of. Burning out your magic, using up too much magic. Um when he when he takes the potion that he drinks and it makes him you know, bright bright is a bright is a wonderful having having had a wonderful night's sleep. Yeah. And he and he feels this connection to all of the magical energies that are around him. And then he pushes so much of that magical usage after he's already done an awful lot. Mm -hmm. Because remember, this is after after he's uh, done his fuego spell on his with his blasting rod against the loop guru and right. blown him through, count them, one, two, three, four brick walls, yeah. and the yeah. loop guru just runs away. I mean, there's a he has already tapped into some significant amounts of power, mm-hmm. and the fact that just 24 hours before he had created without a without a circle of protection, he had created that huge hurricane force gale wind that took place that sh- that stripped bark off of trees right. that exposed uh exposed uh topsoil that ripped rocks up out of the ground all that kind of stuff right right we're getting a clue that he is a pretty badass wizard <laughs> yeah yeah and then he burns himself out because he pulls on that magic so much and causes it to do so many things well, he gets cocky and then yeah And then he, did you you mention, did you catch the moment in the book where he says, a wizard uses circles as an insulator. And when I didn't use the insulator against Uh myself, I felt it pop. Um, Oh yeah. Almost as if, and I'm thinking, oh man, I just popped my magical hamstring. (laughs) Uh Because then the whole rest of the time he can barely make puffs of smoke and a little bit of damage to a camera and... He has to try and figure out how to survive on no magic at all. And Harry Dresden, shot through the back, uh, foot mauled by a loop guru, scratched and bloodied and beaten from so many different directions, oh my gosh. is not a really cool badass by
0: himself. He needs his magic. right? <laughs> <laughs> Although it gives him a chance to, to be resourceful, which is good in a book like this, because if, if the wizard is too overpowered you know then there's no threat there's no yeah there's no sense of, of danger or this could go south really fast and
2: right and it, looking you
0: know, reading back sorry i'm very sorry
2: you go ahead
0: I, I was gonna say reading reading back to book two when you know there are 15 books out some of that threat is is diminished already i mean because you're like well of course he's got to survive for 15 more books right. you know but we know harry's going to survive but Jim Butcher is not opposed to killing people. Yeah, he, he
2: sure does kill a lot of people you think does. are going to be around for a while. Yeah, I, I, was, I, I just remember reading it the first time and thinking, oh, these FBI characters, they're going to cause him trouble in the future. <laughs> just kidding. Like, <laughs> he really sets them up to be these people who could be harrying him for multiple books right. and on Murphy's butt for a really long time. And nope, they're out.
1: Well, in
0: Carmichael... Oh yeah. Oh, Carmichael? Carmichael. Yeah. Like oh That's he's one of the sad. he's one of the good ones. He's one of the ones that Harry actually gets along with. And all of a sudden, boom, mm, no Gone. more Carmichael.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and not Carmichael gets his moment. Yeah, yeah, he does. He gets a moment where he is and and we start to we start to recognize that it's not just Harry, but it's but it's Carmichael, it's everybody around Murphy that really is looking out for her. Yeah, they're they're on Murphy. They're on. I mean, we we talk about Team Harry Dresden. It, it's really Team Murphy. Yeah, um, that that everybody is fighting to protect. Harry's trying to protect her from the Never Never and from creatures that come from the Never Never. Carmichael's trying to protect her from all of the internal battling and all of the problems that come from making stupid political decisions. You get that feeling as he's talking to her about internal affairs and being careful what she does and all that kind of stuff.
2: I don't know if he's trying to protect her as much as he is. Harry makes a comment at one point. He's like, I was trying to protect her, and I should have been mentor- mentoring her. I yes, should have been coaching right. her through yes. it that was, so that she could do it. And I I wonder if, if it's kind of a similar thing with Carmichael where he's like, I really respect what you're trying to do here, and you are actually an excellent cop, and so I am going to support you.
0: Yeah. Well, that Throw my weight behind you. Got to go back to that for a Until second. I that die. was the girl at the beginning, yeah. right? Kim Delaney? Uh, that, he was like, I, I should have...
1: I should have mentored yeah, her. I should yeah. have
0: I should have helped her a little bit better. I didn't realize what she was trying to do and and, and so uh, this is one of the things that makes Harry the good guy is that he takes personally when somebody dies because because he couldn't or because right. he but could she, have helped but didn't. She
2: also wasn't telling him what she was trying to do.
0: No, and she, she should have She was like,
2: have. "Oh, I just kind of want to know what this is." Well, ding, ding, Maybe ding, tell ding. him. And yeah, is that what kind of
0: a, is. is that kind of a big plot hole I mean in in the sense that why didn't well, I, I was gonna say, why didn't McFinn have a more experienced wizard on, you, you know, in his inner circle, ready to, we'll draw the inner circle, but uh, to to protect uh, to to keep him from harming everybody each month. And I guess Kim, I mean, yeah, Kim kind of oversold herself. You know, it's like I can do this, but
1: I, I, I recognize, I, I I get I get where you're going, but again, you're looking at a, a situation where. So it, the the family has had this curse put on them by St Patrick of all people, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. How random is that? I got that?
1: A, I got a kick out of the way that uh <laughs> was it was it Chauncey who says uh-huh. um we don't uh we we don't talk about what the other side does or about the methods that they employ, but if they're willing to do anything, that should give you a clue as to the kind of people they are. You know, yes. the, this very uh <laughs> better than better than thou attitude coming from the demon. Um We'll, we'll come back and talk Which about I, Chauncey I, I, yes, a little later. Please.
0: Which I think kind of sets up for, for later. It's like, well, the good guys aren't always so good, basically, is what Chauncey, I think, is saying. Mm.
1: There's going to be some, and I think that's going to be a really probably, fun thing to explore. That's probably something that comes up. Um, but we, you know, we look at this and think, well, okay, the family has known about this curse for a long time. They put together a, the, a, a solution was put together that was really a good solution. Lock him away in a magical barrier, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. The only reason this gets out of hand and I think Harry alludes to it. I think we're going to find out later that this that this is also true. The only reason that this whole deal gets out of hand is because whoever gave the wolf belts to the FBI
0: oh, is yeah.
1: moving behind the scenes to also give all kinds of information to stir up trouble. I think that's where it comes from. I don't do you
2: think he's the same guy that trained the wizard in the first book.
1: I do. And I think it's I think it's a person. I'm guessing this just partly because I've been watching the television series. There are certain parallels. They didn't do any of the same stories, as I recall. Um, it's been a while. But they
0: did. They did a werewolf story. They did a werewolf that story. That was but, I think it was largely based on this book. They also did. a. But it was different. There was also an episode called Stormfront that I think was based on the first book. But I don't remember they're different again though yeah but there, 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 there were plenty of differences both
1: lots of things that are lots of things that were source material, but yes. nothing that was an adaptation that right. we would call a, a strict adaptation um, but uh, there was there I think what we're going to find is that there's a a person on the White council that is not on the white council that is not a that is not a white wizard that is actually a black wizard. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. I'm not sure when that's going to show up. I'm not sure how far into the series we get. I'm sure the Redditors have already started listening to that and looking for it and somebody's going to say something. No about spoilers, it. no spoilers. Yeah, don't don't tell us what book to read in. Because all I remember as soon as I say that, I remember hearing Craig and Ryan saying to us all the way through Mistborn, oh, wait till you get to book three. That was painful. Um, Ken, speaking of our Redditors, do we have anything from our Redditors? Actually, we
0: we didn't even throw out a a pre-thread. I know. Oh, I redditors. I, I apologize. That's on we me. I know it, it. I am bad. It's on me. It's the same reason I didn't have you know a proper recap done and, and ready to go. I just things got busy and things. Got now the real up. reality
1: for the why that didn't happen is because Ken is trying to make sure that his marriage stays solid enough <laughs> that his wife will continue to let him come to the exactly. legendary his podcast. His wife's pretty. I support it. She's a wonderful human being, and I'm glad
0: she lets him out of the house. She is yep. very pretty. I'm glad I convinced her to marry me before and she nice. was smart enough to know any better. But, <laughs> i wanna I wanna stay on St. Patrick's curse really quick though, okay, because there were two uh there were two points to it, right? One that it was hereditary mm-hmm. and one
1: person in every generation.
0: yes, and two that it wouldn't die out. So um this was a question posed on a different Dresden thread. Does that not it doesn't mean it definitively, but could that be something later to where maybe Tara the wolf who turns into a human was pregnant? and so now there's a
2: i thought about that too. Like if they're guru. not supposed to die out why even mention that
0: not only that or but i kept
1: the, yeah. i gotta be honest i kept thinking that the alphas we were going to find out were the litter of tara and uh and mcfinn and mcfinn that 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 they were their pups
0: um,
2: what my mind just exploded yeah no, didn't I, I,
1: I, I kept waiting for that to show up and it didn't really cool. show didn't she up.
0: say she was training them basically to help her control him to contain him, uh, I I thought I don't know if that's true or not, but I thought that was the case.
1: I, I it seemed like she was training them to to be have their minds expanded. Okay.
2: Well, because they wanted they wanted to try being wolves, and she wanted to train them to actually be wolves instead of just people who kind of looked like wolves but yeah. still thought like people yeah. and didn't have any instincts.
0: Which was yeah. a great that was a great little um, point of about werewolves is that they are. They take the, the shape of a wolf, but they still think like people, so mm-hmm. it, uh, you never have a werewolf that's actually decent at being a were, uh, wolf, because yeah. they all think like people. Unless you're a hexenwolf.
2: wolf. Unless you're Agent Ben. <laughs>
0: Unless you're Agent
1: Ben. Is creepy. Or, or Harry Dresden, when he put on the wolf belt. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That whole deal where he says, I came into my true form, I was like,
0: okay, this is kind of oh, creepy. That's... It was just like in Stormfront, where he writing. gets we get a first person look at the Never Never or, or the third sight, uh, through him, so that we so we get to experience it as the audience.
2: Yeah, I feel like that's a a really good way of using the first person narrative, mm-hmm. just having a lot of fun with the storytelling. Yeah, and. Yeah.
0: Which also gives, our, me, uh, gives us our favorite or my favorite Murphy moment was where she's, he, he's, he was the wolf and now he's not the wolf again. And she's laying there and the threat is kind of diminished a bit. And she's like, I'm starting to think it's not a good idea. I'm starting to think that you may not be responsible for, that, <laughs> <laughs> for all this. It's like
2: Oh, but how cool is that finale where they're both, they're both facing evil dangers and neither of them sees the one that the other one is trying to protect them from.
1: Yeah. Right. And they oh, save yeah. each
2: other at the same time.
1: Oh, uh, but, but even better than that love. is the moment afterwards when she, when he says, I forgive you, Murphy. <laughs> <And she laughs> Did you says, think I was trying to shoot says, you? She says, what? You thought I shot you? You jerk. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and, and this, I love Murphy. And the you're epithets such a that, dummy. The epithets that she was giving him, uh, I, I should, I should, I should have those. I think I have those that I could find those really quick, but they were absolutely phenomenal. And, and, and then. She starts with like, you know, four or five. And then he says, and she threw a few more at me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, this is something that was interesting, at least for me. We had touched on this in book one. Murphy, he uses Murphy to touch on it in book two. The chauvinistic, um, outmoded, outdated um, attitude that he has, that he's taking toward women. Um, did you catch that? Did, did you, what did you think about the way that he handled that with Murphy and used that to kind of, um, say, yeah, I recognize this, but I'm going to just be who I am anyway and just deal with it.
0: I like, I like that. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, what I, I don't know if it is a deliberate attempt to, uh, take a, to take a shot at, at, um, I, I don't, I don't want to ruffle any feathers here, so I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if it's a deliberate shot at like white guilt or male guilt or whatever, you know, the the yeah, I know I'm trying to be nice. And if you take offense to that, sorry, I'm still just trying to be nice. That's well, and I, I
2: think for him, it's just one small way he tries to not that he tries to control Murphy, but it's right. it's a way that he tries to control a really cre- chaotic and distressing world, especially one that she is trying to understand, but doesn't really yet They're Um, he, he says flat out, like you said, um, it's on page 36. I wrote it down. (laughs) I have what might be considered a very out of date and chauvinist attitude about women. I like to treat women like ladies. I like to open doors for them, pay for the meal when I'm on a date, bring flowers, draw out their seat for them, all that sort of thing. I guess I could call it an attitude of chivalry if I thought more of myself, whatever you called it. Murphy was a lady in distress. And since I had put her there, it only seems right that I should get her out of trouble too.
1: Now let's, let's, uh,
2: I like that he's taking responsibility there. Right. Let's contrast
1: yeah. that with that, with that end piece. Cause I went ahead and found it. Yeah. Um, in chapter 34, he said, um, it's after he, they've, they've, they've talked it through and he says, I forgive you. Oh, you forgive me yeah. for saving your <laughs> life. You moron, you yeah. know, and he thinks she's like, she finally says, okay, dramatic death scene, noble sacrifice, right? Tragically misunderstood. Ha. I understand you, buddy. You're such a pompous, arrogant, pretentious, chauvinistic, hopelessly old-fashioned, stupidly big-headed. Murphy went on <laughs> in graphic detail and at great length about me as she walked away to call the police and an ambulance, and it was music to my ears. Yeah. Um,
2: it's, it's just interesting that he's this, um, he's the person that knows all about the magic realm, and she's the person that knows all, I mean, I don't know if she knows all about the real world, but she knows what it's like to live in the real world. Right. Um. And they're both working together, and he's—I don't know—they're just—they're a really good yin yang.
0: They are.
1: They are. Yeah, they're not foils for each other. No, they're great compliments to they each work other.
2: Great together.
0: And I, th- I think it, it, it's good that he's finally starting to realize that he can't keep the crazy world from her. Right. And really, I, we're basically at the point where it's good that. He, that they've come to this realization because from here on out, he's got to start letting her in. And that's good for us, the readers, because this whole, her trying to arrest him for not giving her information is getting old. Yeah. It's gotten old by this point where it's like, I'm still going to keep trying to arrest you. Okay. Stop. Because you know that that's stupid.
2: Well, and it is interesting though, at the very beginning, when he notices the blood on the window, and takes the glass and puts it in his pocket and he says, oh, yeah, no, I found this glass and I found this blood in this glass. And he and he tells her about it because she's like, I need to know the truth if I'm mm-hmm. going to trust you. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, this is this is all the information. And then she leaves and he's like, oh, I should probably follow this. <laughs> should I tell Murphy? Uh, and it's just like she just said she literally just said, please tell her. And now you're going to go off on your own. Even, you know, it's going to make her mad. Like why?
1: Great plot device. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great plot device. Um, and maybe it's going to be one that he's going to continue to work with. I'm sure it's going to be one that's going to be toyed with, at least for the next several books.
2: I mean, it's possible he didn't think about it until after she left. But
1: Well, and there's there's also something to be said for uh, looking at somebody and saying, look, I'm going to go off and do something really crazy and that fits in my world. And it's not going to fit in yours mm-hmm. and it's not going to be admissible in court, but it might give us some stuff. It, there's there's all kinds of options that are available. Yeah, I'm hoping that. As we continue to read the, the series, as we read a few more books in the series and maybe go on even further and read the entire series, that we'll see how that evolves. Yeah, but
2: once again, he he uses his magic methods to get to the warehouse, and she uses her regular street smarts methods, and they still get to the same place at the same time.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, yeah. As much as, this is one of the things that I find fascinating about relationships in, in the real world as well as in literary situations, movie situations, whatever. hmm when, when one person demands full disclosure but is not willing to give it they can't be really surprised by the fact that they're not getting it right yeah. and and that's the thing Murphy's Murphy demands full disclosure but she's not going to give it Dresden promises full disclosure knowing that he's not getting it so he's not going to get uh, it, it's a it's a really interesting situation that they're gonna have to that he's gonna have to figure out how to have these characters either deal with it or mm-hmm. live with it. Mm-hmm.
0: it there's another thing that Dresden avoid not Dresden uh Jim Butcher avoids that is often a a crutch in a situation like this and that's the misinformation or the lack of communication right driving the narrative and it, yeah. uh, it it um one of my biggest complaints about the Wheel of Time series is a lot of problems particularly in the middle books could have been resolved if the main characters had just talked to each other yeah but they were too busy not talking to each other and it was causing all sorts of problems in this Dresden and Murphy don't talk to each other, but that's kind of apart from the actual problem. Sure. I mean, it causes some issues, but it's not driving the narrative. I,
2: but it uh, doesn't create the werewolves.
0: Yes.
1: No, it doesn't sure. create the werewolves, but it does stop them from being able to have a unified front on how to deal with it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think
0: I think we're fixing that in the coming books. Thank goodness.
1: I, I, You know what? I was okay with it. And I think the reason that I'm okay with it is because I see it happen all the time in <laughs> yeah. real life. Yeah. Um, maybe offline, I'll tell you guys about one that just happened. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> I was going to say
0: that's... you you have real world experience uh, uh, with what we're talking about. Yeah, here. we're gonna
1: we're gonna talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, we're gonna do that off air. Off Don't air. worry, folks. It's nothing. It's nothing critical. It's nothing earth shattering. But it is something that uh, it, it's. Let's just say we've all seen it. Mm-hmm. We see it over and over again. We have good friends that won't talk to each other, and yep. then as a result. They're they're going off in completely crazy kinds of situations, and sometimes they leave the rest of us standing there holding the bag. Yeah. Um. I want to I want to move on. You know, if I'm if I'm on a podcast, we're probably going to be talking about level two and level three stuff. Obviously, sure. if we read the book, we're going to tell you whether we liked it on a level one. Yeah. Um. What, did you see much level two stuff in here? We'll get to the level three because there's plenty of level three. But did you well, see
0: much level two? Well, I thought we talked about. Uh, well we talked about some of the level three stuff about Harry, the way he loses magic and that kind of defines him and, and uh, how he takes personally when uh, what's her name again? Dies. Kim Delaney, Kim Delaney dies because, because he didn't trust her enough to, to help her with the information. There's a bunch of level two stuff in the middle there with the FBI and with, um uh, with the police and the special investigations, especially with, with uh, Carmichael who is ready. He's, one of the good ones who wants to believe Harry, who wants to give him support and uh then he's wiped out. But then there's another kid from special investigations who might be ready to step in and be the next Carmichael. Um so there there are some political, you know, gamesmanships there and and between the FBI before we find out that they're you know the villains. The the villains, the Hexen Hexen Hex and Wolfen?
1: Hexen and Wolfen. And-
0: yeah. Who uh because she's like, well, um, what was the main, what was the main FBI guy's name? Denton. Denton. Thank you. Uh, see why couldn't we've had these questions on the on the trivia <laughs> challenge, right? Yeah. But Murphy's Murphy's all, she's on board with him. She's saying you know, he's, he's one of the good ones. Turns out he's not one of the good ones and somebody's feeding him the bad stuff, but she's on a short, I'm, I'm just kind of rambling through all the level two points. Now, Megan, help me out. Cause I don't, I don't want to talk anymore is just uh, staring at him let Megan's me jump like, let me jump talking. in on a couple of level two <laughs> okay, things that please. i that i pulled out. somebody saved me from just going around in circles one of the things and
1: and can we have you you, you touched on it a little bit it's the the one of the one of the things that he brings up and he's brought it up a little bit uh in Stormfront. he's bringing it up a lot more in this one and that is the corruption in politics and in law enforcement mm-hmm. um you know right now with the um in in our in our current situation we have uh we have a lot of distrust of the police, an idea that um, there's there, there are social movements around that are that are building steam, uh, talking about the fact that police cannot be trusted, that police are racist, that police are corrupt, that that police are not necessarily doing what they're supposed to do, which is look out for the betterment of the and the protection of the society and books like this uh, ideas like this illustrate or give voice to some of those things that are spotted one of the things that i wonder about that when we see these kinds of things start popping up in books like this Mm -hmm. especially because i mean if you want to talk about corruption in politics you always talk about chicago you don't talk about st louis or fresno or you know (laughs) portland um but but i have the feeling that there is at least as much uh, underhanded dirty dealing polit- political stuff going on in in lots of other cities, mm-hmm. not just Chicago. Um, you, you talk about the mob and about how Johnny Marconi, he talks about the mob and how Johnny Marconi has his has his finger in so many of these legitimate business dealings, but all of those are also feeding into or derived from the money that he got from all of his criminal bit building right. doings on. But as I mean you know it, we, we live here along the Wasatch front. We've got we've got plenty of uh, criminal activity and mob activity, although it's we call it gang activity, but gang activity is easily traced back to the mob. We've got we've got mob activity going along on the Wasatch Front on a significant level. Why do we always go to Chicago or New York to talk about the mob? I feel like these are... Because that's where it's been glorified. It is where it's been glorified. I get well, that.
2: Well, and I think it helps everybody else feel safer. No, no, no. That just happens in New York and Chicago. Right? And maybe
1: that's the case. My Unless Salt of course Lake City you're... is so clean. Well, and that's why when I go to Chicago and people are like, oh, Chicago, scary, scary. I'm like, nah, it's no more scary than, you, than Salt Lake City. I know plenty yeah. of bad places to go in Salt Lake City. That makes me sound like a horrible human being. <laughs> um, and if my children and my wife are listening to the podcast, don't worry. I don't go there anymore. I promise. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I, I think that while that is a a little bit of a trope that we, that is pulled out, um, you know, all these gangs are based in Chicago, they're, they're based in New York. That's, that's where bad things happen. It's also where there's a lot of people. So it makes it easy to tell these kinds of stories, but I think that he's, he's touching on something that is worth our attention. I don't know. And he, and he does it with the arcane as well. He talks about the arcane is mostly a tabloid, but sometimes they get some things right? And I think we have a tendency to, as, as we're looking at some of these questions, at some of these stories on a level two thing, just to dismiss them and say they are in other places. Mm-hmm. They're not here. I'm yeah. saying they are here. And those kinds of issues, especially the one, and, and this might be a little bit of a, of a level three piece, but it feeds into this level two um, corruption and politics and different kinds of things. Doing the, doing the right thing for the wrong reasons or maybe the wrong thing for the right reason. Machiavelli has been talking about that since the 1600s. I'm sure that we can, we could trace it back even farther than that Mm -hmm. and start talking about it in, in, uh, in, in the BCE civilizations that we could find that there's, there's probably still writings about that, but Denton deciding that he is going to go after those criminals that he knows are dirty but they can't pin anything on him, and he's gonna take well, he's them gonna,
0: out himself. Yeah, he's gonna, a little frontier justice. He's gonna take the
1: law into his own hands. And the question is, how much of that is kind of going on now? I mean,
2: well, and it's I don't interesting know. that.
1: And uh, what happens to society when you do?
2: Well, but yeah. then you have, exactly. But then you have um, Tara's little group of college students who she's training. And again, it's the college students, it's the ones who want to change the world and have this very idealistic outlook on things and Harry looks at Billy and says are you sure you want to do this? Because he just knows that Billy has no idea yeah. what he's about to face and Billy is all in. He wants to do it. He wants to help save this guy who is fairly altruistic um, McFinn like in real life right. when he's not a When wolf. he's not being a wolf. When, he, um,
0: yeah. when he, he's not being he a, a, he wants a, to be a, a magical death machine. An indestructible An, yeah. magical death yeah, machine. He, he has
2: this idealistic view of Yes, well McFinn is gone, but we can we can all rally around Harry and we can support him in this
1: And we can make the Northwest Passage know. work.
2: Yeah. We can make right. the world a better place and help fight evil. It's like, ah Yeah. And I, I guess love teenagers.
1: That was one of the other things that's level two that you was still dealing a with. Teenager, right? In this yeah, I feel like one. She she looks like one. She, she looks does. like one. You look you look like you could be a teenager still.
2: Thanks. Not when I stand next to one, but I appreciate the compliment. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um
1: the uh the other thing about the that that was a level two thing was the environmental piece. Um, it's very much a big deal right now about how we take care of the environment and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he wove that mm-hmm. into this story, and mm-hmm. I think he did a decent job. It didn't he didn't beat anybody over the head with it. He positioned the fact that it was that there were two sides in this story, but it was something that he brought up. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about level three really quickly. We're going to okay. come back to Chauncey in just a second because Chauncey okay, feeds good. into this. He
0: he uh, brought up a couple more questions that we haven't gotten to yet that I'm very interested in.
1: So on level three stuff, um, what do you think of? I I, I want to read a quote, um, and it was uh, this was in chapter thirty three, um, and he's talking about his experience uh, his experience after he took off the Hexen Wolfen belt. Oh, okay. And he says anything with that much power and that little control, that utter lack of concern for anything but itself is evil in the most effective sense of the word. There was nothing left inside of me. What do you think of that idea of evil and of the way that he presents it? Did you, did that, did that cause you guys to stop and think about that at all?
2: That it's all consuming and just makes you feel so powerful.
1: And that it
0: has no regard.
2: Yeah. Literally that's, nothing else matters. I was
0: going to say that that's kind of Feeding where I thought was evil. Basically the the whole point is it has no restraint. It's It's purely selfish for lack of a better term. And mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it it's feeding whatever appetite that you happen to have without regard of, of the damage it does to anything else. It's all about you. It's all uh, evil. And I, I don't know if this is, I don't know if I'm the best person even to talk about level three stuff, but evil by its very nature is, is kind of selfish. Isn't it? I mean, yeah.
1: in fact, Harry goes on to say, I searched inside of me finding everywhere that was an empty, empty, numb and tired. Magic comes from the heart, from your feelings, your deepest expressions of desire mm-hmm. That's why black magic is easy. That's it comes exactly. from lust, from fear, from anger. I felt like Yoda was talking to Anakin at this moment in time.
0: <laughs> from things that are easy Very anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate, hate leads, leads to, to suffering. suffering.
1: Oh yeah, it was so wonderful. I'm
2: so embarrassed right now. And Craig is shaking his head.
1: <laughs> he says, my magic, <laughs> that was at the heart of me. It was a manifestation of what I believed, what I lived. It came from my desire to see to it. That someone stood between the darkness and the people it would devour. It came from my love of a good steak, from the way I felt. Uh, I would sometimes cry at a good movie or a moving symphony. From my life, from the hope that I could make things better for someone else, if not always
0: for me. Pete. Oh, Todd, Todd! hold on. Todd's getting emotional. Okay. I'm, while while Todd gets emotional, we I'm gonna can let him finish. From his a, thought. from a few from a few uh, chapters ahead, I'm gonna point because it. it it pertains to that too it isn't enough to stand up and fight darkness you've got to stand apart from it too you've got to be different from it yeah go ahead i Sorry. just
1: um i was not i i the in the first book okay so and when i read the part about the way i would sometimes cry at a good movie i thought to myself oh crap here we go and 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 sure enough for me both this time and the first time that I was, first time that I read that or that I heard that I was driving my car and trying to park in a parking garage and I'm like,
0: I can't even see where the lines are.
1: <laughs> um, Cause of course my eyes started to leak. Um, <laughs> that's my, that's my story and I'm staying with it. Todd, you're such a baby. I, I am such a boob. Um, but the, the interesting thing about it for me, the, <laughs> the interesting thing about it for me is that this, this, this story. Um, wonderfully crafted, wonderfully written, great, mm-hmm. great on a level one, a, a ripping good yarn on level one, um, interesting handling of some level two stuff, but Jim Butcher artfully handles some level three stuff. And when I find a, when I find an author who can skillfully move through them, even though he doesn't necessarily do it at the depth or at the breadth yeah. of an oath bringer or, uh, of a Tolkien he's doing a wonderful job and that's one of the reasons why I've really enjoyed these is that he's able to touch that part of me that is, that is looking for real meaning and real depth from a storyteller, not necessarily from every story, but certainly from a storyteller. And I'm, sure. and I really, really appreciated it. J- uh, Jim, if you're listening and I'm pr- I'm of sure you're probably, yeah. you know, you're probably listening to this and saying, <laughs> I've never gotten anything right. Hopefully that <laughs> at least tells you something uh, and tells you that we, that we love what you're doing that way. Or at least I do. I can't speak for the rest of the team. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Can we talk about Chauncey? Let's talk about Chauncey.
1: Okay. Well, it, one other thing that we have to talk about on this book. This was a much more grown-up book. Yep. Yes. Language was much more uh, prolific. Yeah. Gore was was portrayed. Aww, lots yeah. and lots and lots, lots of death of, and gore and ripping and blood and all kinds of, of stuff. Lots of bloody punching and <laughs> eyeballs and some pretty some pretty sensual. Again, yeah, yeah, not yeah. pornographic in nature, but pretty sensual. Yeah. Earlier, when I was reading the first book, I thought, "Oh, yeah, this is this is kind of a this is kind of a fifteen to eighteen year old. I could I could recommend this to my fifteen year old." After reading this one, there's no way in the world that yeah. I'm going to be recommending this to anybody <laughs> under the age of twenty one, just because I don't want to have somebody's mother coming over to me and saying, "What are you telling How my child? That I you?" Read?
0: Right, exactly. Right. There you go. All right, nope, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about Chauncey. <laughs> he, he brings up a question that is going to be important later. Is mm. definitely going to be important later when he talks about Harry's mother. And father. And father. But he says, I can't, I wish I'd marked it. I was driving at the time and I didn't mark it. But he says something, something along the lines of Harry being powerful, uh, just like his mother. It was, a, it was a moment that made Harry go, wait, what? Powerful in the dark arts. Yeah. Just like your mother. Yeah. Which, oh, you didn't think huh, your mother oh, huh.
1: had a life before she
0: had you? There you go. That's yeah. You you nailed Meghan's, it when you, you yeah. The quote is
2: well, there are a couple, but he uh he he says a couple because I have like my page where I write down the ongoing things that are kind of the uh-huh. threads weaving yeah. through the stories, and he says there were a couple that I wrote down. Um, her coming was awaited with great anticipation, but the dark prince lost her. Oh. It's like what the hey, what the who's the dark prince and what oh, this is all coming out of nowhere and then and he talks about um her redemption and the unnatural deaths of mother and father
0: oh yeah it's just so good. Like, what what are you talking about my father died from a brain hemorrh- hemorrhage yeah you, I'm sure you can't sure. magic a simple brain hemorrhage into somebody yeah I'm just saying
1: I and I, f- I find it f-
2: I mean I can't but wow.
1: I I f- well, I find this. Um, very much in keeping with our vision of demons, yep. um, or yep. at least my vision of demons. When I when I've talked with people on occasion, and we talk about the the worst supervillain or the, the meanest baddest supervillain, um, the one that I always go to is Hades from Hercules. And I know that kind of makes me sound okay. a little okay. bit okay. immature, but I'm I'm telling you, <laughs> es- especially when we talk about the devil, absolutely. If I'm if I'm going to be representing the devil, it's going to be it's going to be James Woods. As Hades, schmoozing <laughs> because because he is a con man of the de, of the nth degree, and he is un, until you finally get to the point where you say, "No, I'm not going to play," and then he turns just yep. vicious, yeah. and that's exactly what Sean Zagarov does. Mm-hmm. Is he? And you notice that I'm calling him Sean Zagarov. I'm what, not going to call him Chauncey it's anymore. What Toot Toot did too,
0: <laughs> by the way. They're yes. they're friendly and warm and playful and. And great and fun to get along with until they're not, until they need something or until you refuse to play and then you see the teeth.
1: And I think we're going to find every member of every inhabitant of the never, never is this bipolar creature. Bianca was that way. Yeah. Yeah. She was sweet and seductive until Harry stripped away what that that v- that veneer was mm-hmm. and saw her for who she really was and then instantly she is just ready to kill him yep. yeah um i th- i think that's going to be a theme that's going to run through the never never uh or through the creatures of the never never that we experience
0: yeah um at least i kind of hope it will be i look forward to when we get a better look at the never never itself yeah which spoiler alert for future books is coming that's not anybody who you know, has a mind for this stuff, didn't see that coming. So it's not really a spoiler.
1: He's setting it up really well. And if he wasn't going to show it at some point, it would become a Chekhov's gun kind of a deal. And and everybody knows how much we hate the Chekhov. Although I... At some point in time, it's going to be fun to. I, I would love to write a story that was all about Chekhov's gun and it never shows up. <laughs> we'll see what happens, um, <laughs> and that everybody bemoans the fact that Chekhov's gun never shows up, and that's the point of the story. Um, it might be kind of fun. Maybe one of these days when I get good, there you go. Um, <laughs> but I think he's. He, I think he he very much intends to do that, so that doesn't surprise me. What are the things that we looking forward to?
2: Oh, I was just going to say really quickly in regards to Chansagaroth. It's it's interesting that the thing that he wants from Harry is one of Harry's names. Yes. And so it's it's lucky that Harry has more than three names. Well, um,
1: And remember what Harry said about names and power, mm-hmm. that you have to say it not just their name, but the inflection, the right. way yeah. that yeah. they say their name. Yeah. So it's one thing to get the name. It's another thing to get the name from the person. Right. Right. And and I, I have to admit, when I read that, I started thinking to myself, how many other names could he work with? Could he work with... Uh, um what was his what was his dad's name um i can't remember his dad's name name. but anyway you know could he have gone with you know if if his if his dad was named arthur could he have said one of my names is arthur son you know i mean i'm i'm trying to play with this in my head of of how he could give something that really isn't going to have any power connected to it don't know I don't know, but I love the idea that names yeah. I have yep. uh, ever since I read, uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, and maybe we'll actually get to read those now that we're on the, we are on the blue team because Craig will never read them. Um, but I'd love to read the wizard of earth sea series where they talk about, um, names yeah. and the naming of things, meaning that you have power over them. It's a, it's oh, a, I like that. it's a, it's a theme that's used throughout lots of magical uh, systems. Yeah.
0: King killer chronicles. It was all, that was all King killer was about Yep, is it's names, yeah, names, the names of things. Um, so that's, I, I think that's, and, and the fact that, that
1: Sean Zagaroff yeah. deals in names. Yeah.
2: It's like, oh, maybe I will give you other information. If you tell me another name. Yes. Right. Yes.
0: It's like, Ooh, how many <laughs> names can I get? So that's, that's going to become a thing later for sure.
1: Right. In, well, you uh, know what's yeah. got to names yeah. are the currency of the never, never. Right. So. <laughs> Interesting stuff. So hey. what are we looking forward to? I'm hoping looking, to find. You guys I, have, so everything. you guys have already read it. Maybe it's not fair to ask you. No, I'm
2: I'm looking forward to hearing a lot more about the White Council.
1: Okay.
0: Um,
2: I would like to know a little bit more about why they dislike Harry so much. Yes. I would like to meet another wizard. There is. At some is, point, like do, because there are only a handful in the United States and Canada, mm-hmm. but um, like, do they get are along are with each other? Are, yeah, right. Right. Are they familiar with each other? Do they get along with each other? Do they purposely try to stay apart from each other?
0: Well, and, and if there's a white council, how many other colored councils are there? Ooh. You know. There's got to be at least one. Yeah. I mean, is there a black council, too? There's got to be. Yeah. If there's a white council, there's always a black council. Yeah. Well, always. We keep,
2: we keep teasing this big bad who may or may not be from the white council, but I would like I to really know more. I really think he is. Sure. I'd like to really see what happens in the next book with this big bad. And I'm what like, is there actually a big bad? Maybe
0: we're just making it up. I mean, somebody obviously gave the... Uh-huh. Their, the belts to the, the FBI agents. So there obviously is something pulling some strings somewhere. But Well yeah.
1: the way he sets it up, the way he sets it up in the end of the book where he says, you know, that three hundred percent somebody's gotta be it, it's yeah. We gotta find he's he's doing a wonderful job. Again, if you're gonna run a big series, you have to have a big villain. Yeah. You've gotta have somebody that you can chase. And yeah. it can't be Johnny Marconi
0: because Yeah. Johnny he's, Marconi no, yeah. he's a patsy.
2: Johnny Johnny Marconi is Murphy's big bad. Yeah. But he is not he's not Dresden's.
0: There is a there is a character coming up Think in the next book i'm pretty sure in the next book who is probably given that i've only read a few books but given that there's a character coming up that is my favorite character in the series and i'm not more we'll, than bob yeah and we'll talk about it we'll more talk than about Mac- it next time Yep, oh, okay. we'll talk about it next time but he is my favorite character in the whole series okay so and just because of how he is and, okay anybody who who knows you know the kind of D D characters i like and stuff will understand what i'm talking about oh but. dear
1: here we go it's anyway. gonna be if it's gonna be a female thief is what it's gonna be yes really <laughs> we we
0: i i know we i know we have to wrap up here but have you guys started casting the the new dresden files series yet no so i looked
1: at your list i i will say this the only character that i'm sure that i want in there
0: mm-hmm. i want james marston as bob <laughs> yes james exactly marsters? James, james marsters, marsters. sorry yeah. okay I'm I'm like, sorry james, that he, is
2: so random yeah
0: that's what i thought and i know i know james marsters i i'm pretty sure james marsters is american but he does a british accent so perfectly that he's got to do bob with a british accent I, I, with a spike accent
1: i think it would be i think it would be magnificent yeah
0: james james marsters absolutely has to be bob absolutely has to be
1: so what is your list
0: um so i i, I only took the main characters that we know from 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 the first two books. So Harry, Harry, Susan, Murphy, Marconi, Bob, Mac, Morgan, Bianca, Billy. Those are okay. the only ones I took. And uh, I can't really come up with anybody for Harry. I went through like the list of who are, who is tall in Hollywood. And I struggled with See, Harry. See, And
2: I, I almost like, I feel like too many people in Hollywood movies are just too pretty. Yeah. And I don't need that in the Dresden Files. So I kind of, I want to go to England and like, look at some more of the, some more of what's going on over there and some of their actors. Cause I'm like, yeah, Harry is supposed to be good looking, but he doesn't need to be like ridiculously pretty,
0: right? Basically, the the first one I came up with was was Army Hammer. He's from... too old. Okay, he's not too. He's not that old. He's like thirty mm. or something. You know, you know. Uh, I do ha- like Army. Ha- Ham. Paul Ham,
1: John John Ham, John Ham. Sorry. Yeah. See, and he's I would old. think of
2: him as as Deton. Yeah, he was who I had in mind for. Jim okay,
1: Hamm. okay, I could see that.
0: Just had, with the description, I actually had uh, Henry Cavill in mind for Morgan, which oh. probably oh, doesn't work, work. But I just like putting Henry Cavill into roles because I, <laughs> I like watching him fight. He's, just he's for no awesome. reason, yeah. Just, um, Kristen Bell is Murphy.
2: Oh, I, oh, see, I can that. see that.
0: I don't yeah. know if, I can see that. I don't know if she is old enough though. She doesn't look old enough to me. Maybe, but
2: well, if Harry's only supposed to be about thirty, she wouldn't be. She'd she probably would be about, about the same
0: age, age, I would think. What
1: about Tiffany Amber Would she be too old? No, as, she's she's as Murphy as Murphy. <laughs> Todd's like she's perfect in everything. Oh well, I mean, I, I've seen her lately in uh, she was she's had a little she was bit in of white a white re- collar a, a resurgence oh, yeah, yeah. because of her role yeah. in White Collar, and in that she was she's she's about the right height based on the description that are that are given for Murphy that she's yeah. got to be a little bit shorter. Yeah, um, feisty and and yeah, uh, and not willing to. It, the in the in the other series they played her as a as a fairly pretty thin blah 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 all, you know all the stereotypical things in hollywood right and i'm reading the book and i'm like that's not even close yeah no
0: she's tiny and spunky and i just... and
1: that's got to be that that's that speaks to a different kind of a look
0: um i didn't come up with anybody for susan yet so it's, but for a uh, gentleman jarny marconi gotta be michael madsen yeah, you know, I from, don't know who that is. From uh he's he's one of those uh, kind of talks gruff and he's from uh Reservoir Dogs and a bunch of those he plays a bunch of those roles where he's the he's the tough going to bust your, you know, kneecaps kind of Okay. Go look him up, you I'll know. look him up. Okay. Um for Bob obviously James Marsters. obviously. Yeah, yeah. he has to be. For Mac I thought it, the part is too small for him, but I thought Michael Ironside. As, I don't know who that is either. For who? Uh, my for Mac
2: can we put Jason oh, Isaacs yeah. in there somewhere? I just <laughs> oh, really like Jason sure. Isaacs.
1: Jason Isaacs would make a good would. I wonder if he'd make a good Harry.
0: Too old. Too old for Harry. Too old. Yeah, yeah.
2: he's like Harry's he's,
0: in like his late twenties, early thirties, probably. Right. Oh no, Harry's like
1: closing in on his in his into his forties. I don't think what? he's that old. I seem to remember him being like. we
0: will like have to go back 40. and look. Well, we're
1: gonna anyway. yeah, I don't know. Maybe well, that's just because I'm getting old, and I want everybody else to be old.
0: Maybe, maybe that's but, my
2: problem. <laughs> I keep thinking of like the people that I liked when I was a teenager, but that was in the '90s. The,
0: <laughs> the last one, and then we'll wrap up for for Craig's sanity. Is uh, Bianca absolutely unequivocally has to be Kate Beckinsale? Yes, it does. Has to be. Yes, it does. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Wasn't Kate, I accept that? Wasn't Kate
1: Beckinsale in?
0: <laughs> yes, she was. In, she Underworld? Was, she was in Underworld. Underworld, she was Underworld. She was Celine, and under, she was the main in underworld <laughs> yeah she has to be has to absolutely it has, has, to, to, it has to happen kate you guys beckinsale. and kate beckinsale <laughs> and you know what honestly <laughs> i don't care what role it is kate beckinsale can be it
2: that's how i feel about jason She, I
0: yeah if we were casting my life kate beckinsale would be my wife sorry <laughs> wow um
2: yeah. No, I I see it actually.
0: I'm not sure if <laughs> I'm not sure if Julia should be
1: complimented or kill you later on tonight. She's I guess we'll find Kate out.
0: I and sale is almost as pretty as my wife.
1: Well done, Ken. Well yeah. done. There you go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we'll call that it for tonight. Um, thanks very much for your time. Glad. Hopefully you had as much fun as we did. Hopefully you're not as tired as we are because yeah. it's kind of late at night and at the end of a very, very busy week. Coming up uh, on the 202nd episode. Wow. 202. 202. That's got to be a lucky number, 202. Sure. Um, that will be our special Halloween episode. And uh, the Red Team have graciously allowed us to have another podcast, a second one in the uh, second, two in a row, two in a row. Uh, and we are going to be reviewing a couple of Goosebumps books. Um,
2: None of us have ever read a Goosebumps book, We have
1: us, yep. never read a Goosebumps. Um, I, I had them on my list uh, on my on my device before, and I'm trying to look for them now. Um, I, we're gonna do the. We're gonna do at least the first one, which is the mystery of the living dummy, or something like that. Um, but I think we're gonna try and do two of them because they're they're such short books. They're kind of fun. They're written for a for a tween level reader.
0: Maybe we'll have to throw in some dramatic reading just to <gasps> shake it up. Oh, this <laughs> sounds like it could be fun. We'll have sound effects in everything.
2: I've always wanted to be a Foley artist. Oh, me too. Yeah, so
1: fun. Have a wonderful day, guys. We'll see you next time.
2: Harry Dresden. He's our hero. Oh,
0: sh- I want to see some, uh, some well, levels soon as, here. As soon as you started it, I was
2: like, ooh, ooh, where's he going? Looking. I'm so happy right now.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
2: Oh, my goodness. Okay. I'm so
0: glad I recorded that. Did oh, you, you record did. that? <laughs> the whole thing? Megan saying, oh, my goodness, I'm so happy right now.
1: Oh, oh, so you didn't get the long and entertaining comment. I
0: wish I did, but I got you, I got you dropping a bomb, though, so that was nice. Okay. Oh, boy. All right. and um, Listeners are going to love that.